Somebody said, amen. I want to talk to you about two natures. We're in a series called Two Natures. We've been kind of going through these dual uh, characters, these opposites uh, in Scripture. And this morning I want to talk to you about Jacob and Esau and the spiritual struggle that we all face. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but every fast food restaurant seems to have some kind of a cravings menu. So I was in Alexandria this last weekend, and you know, uh, going between meetings, I just hit Taco Bell, and you hit that cravings menu. I mean, like the cravings menu. Yeah, it's just like this cheap, uh, cheap food, really quick, that you may or may not survive. You know, it's a gamble either way. And so, but you know, life is so busy sometimes, it's like you don't, you know, you don't have time to prepare a whole meal and you know that meal would be better for you so you're willing to risk what this two dollar burrito will do to you uh, for the sake of just getting something good quick and cheap i was thinking about that with life it's sometimes the same way in our spiritual life and in the world that we live we are satisfying the craving satisfying the craving the problem is you know in this generation compared to generations before and now more than ever Humanity, we're so busy with work, so busy with entertainment and travel and technology, we know this, that we rarely even have time uh, for the necessities. We rarely even have time to cook a home-cooked meal. Uh, and we're consumers. We buy the latest trends, and every year we get a new thing. We throw out the old thing. We buy a new thing every year. We've been inundated by this. We've been conditioned by an increasingly fast pace, an increasingly godless world to feed every craving, satisfy everyone, even if we know it's not the best for us. We know it's going to satisfy something now to get us to the next thing. With cheap earthly things, though, always filling every craving, every cheap earthly thing filling every craving, it's hard to keep a hunger for the heavenly. That's really what I want to hit on today. How do we have a hunger for the heavenly while we're in a world that says, go, go to the cravings menu. Go get that quick, easy thing because you're on the go to get by because you know you don't have time to do what's really good for you, like that home-cooked meal. You don't have that two hours to prepare and knead that dough and get the good thing from mama's table. But spiritually speaking, we can do the same thing. Let's just hit the drive through cravings menu Satisfy that craving because we don't have time for really what's important. There's a struggle. You know, we know what healthy diets take. It takes a struggle to eat healthy, to live healthy, to exercise. It takes work. It takes fight. It takes a grit. And the same is true for our spiritual life. Do we have room in our appetite to crave the Spirit-filled life? And unfortunately, I'm sorry, there's no online pickup for the Spirit-filled life. There's no drive-through for great faith. And just like dieting can be a struggle, so can having the healthy, vibrant, strong spirit life. So, here's my prayer for you today. I hope you are struggling spiritually. <laughs> I hope you're struggling spiritually. You say, Pastor Heath, what do you mean? Well, sometimes we say struggle, we think we're losing. But it's not about losing, it's about fighting. It's about fighting. That's what Paul told Timothy. He says, I pray that you would fight the good fight of faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of that eternal life to which you were called. You see, there's two natures on the inside of you. Galatians says there's two natures. There's a spirit and a flesh. And he says the flesh 
doesn't want to do what the Spirit wants to do. And the Spirit doesn't want to do what the flesh wants to do. And inside of us, when we get born again, we're alive in Christ. I have the Holy Spirit affecting my spirit, calling me to act like God. But I've got this old sinful nature still hanging, hanging around that I've got to crucify daily. This old thing, this old man, he wants to come back and rule. And so every day I have got to choose to struggle. I've got to choose to fight. And sometimes we are just so going through life that we're just wanting the cravings to be filled. We just want to satisfy the quick and easy because I don't have time to really struggle to live healthy, to live the life that God wants me to live. It takes a fight. It takes a struggle. Somebody say the struggle is real. That's a popular phrase. But, you know, every Christian needs to be struggling spiritually. Something to contend for, something to fight for, and that's your faith. So this morning, here's what I want you to take home with you. Forsake the flesh, fight for faith. Forsake the flesh, fight for faith. Let's go look in Genesis 25, talking about the birthright and the blessing. I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 21, here's what it says in the, new, in the ESV. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. The Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled. There's that word right there. The children struggled together within her. And she said, If thus to the Lord, why is this happening to me? She went to acquire the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. First came out all red, his body hairy and like, like a cloak. And they called him Esau. And afterwards his brother came out with a hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, which means deceiver or heel grabber. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob, he was a quiet man. He dwelled in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. I mean, like deer meat. There you go. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field. He was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was, a nickname was Edom, was red. And Jacob said, well, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright going to be to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. And he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank. Rose went away, and here's the key. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He said, there's two children divided in your womb. One is going to be stronger than the other. There is going to be a divide. There's going to be a struggle. Every Christian has a struggle. Every day you're going to make a decision which part of you is going to be the stronger one, the spirit man or the flesh man, the carnal man or the man that's supposed to be after God, after the Holy Spirit. So there's a struggle, there's a divide, there's a war within us, just like there was in Rebekah. Second part is that Esau, it says, despised his birthright. What's a birthright? So in the ancient world, you had the family estate. You're going to pass down dad's land, right? The whole farm. And the oldest kid would get double of what all the other kids did. So in this case, there's only two kids. So instead of splitting it 50-50, uh, Esau would have got double. So it would have been two-thirds to Esau and one-third to Jacob. And the oldest kid would become the priest of the family. He would have the family name. He would keep on the family business. And he would be the, uh, the paternal 
covenant guy. He went, the lineage of the covenant. And so in this case, this is like Abraham's grandsons, okay? So they are going to be the ones to pass on this covenant of Abraham, that I'm going to bless your, na- your, your descendants, and they're going to be a father of many nations, and the world's going to be blessed through you. I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And we know this is going to be the line of Jesus. But it says, Esau despised it. Esau said, man, that stuff's for sissies. I just want to be out in the woods hunting and fishing. Man, I don't want any of that stuff. Jacob, you go live. You like dad. You stay at home all the time. And Jacob cared about the family estate. It says he lived in tents. It means he stayed home. He cared. He was a shepherd. He cared what dad's uh, flock was doing. He watered. He farmed. Esau, he's running the roads. The Bible says that Esau, he loved loose women. He liked worldly women. He married some pagan women. That actually, ladies, there's a story in here about mother-in-laws, okay? That's like, man, these, these daughters just pulled their hair out, basically. So he had these women. He was all about the now. He was carnal. He just wanted what he wanted right now. He ran the roads. He just wanted to hunt and fish and go from woman to woman. And he says, I don't care about keeping the family farm. And Jacob loved it. But Jacob desired more than that. He wanted something, and he didn't really even know what he wanted. But he knew he wanted to have what grandfather had talked about. He knew he wanted what dad had talked about. Jacob's still a deceiver, but there was a struggle within Jacob for more. So Jacob desired the birthright, and he thought, well, maybe if Esau's going to squander it, I'm going to take it. And by any means he did. And Esau, he's like over-exaggerating. Man, I'm so, I'm dying of hunger. He's not going to die, but he's over-exaggerating his carnal desire. So Esau despised the birthright. See, the carnal man is careless about heavenly things. I'm going to say it again. The carnal man is careless about heavenly things. There's a promise for every child of God that you will be blessed through the inheritance of Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, we'll be carnal. And if we're not careful, we'll be careless about heavenly things. So the story goes on, and we won't have time this morning, but Genesis 27, there's the story that maybe you know from Sunday school class or you've heard of it. There's going to be a blessing. Isaac thinks he's going to die, uh, and he's gone blind, and he's going to bless Esau, the oldest, with the blessing. So there's a birthright and a blessing. He's going to bless him with the, uh, his, his Holy, the Holy Spirit. is going to prophesy, and it's going to bless his children, and this is going to finalize this Holy Spirit covenant promise. Well, Rebecca hears about it, and she gets with Jacob, and they say, hey, Esau's going out to get this stew for your father, or the game for your father. He's going to come back. Well, let's do something. Let's put some lamb skin on your hands, some baby lamb skin on your hands, your neck. Let's put Esau's clothes on you, and let's make a, a, a quick meal of lamb, not the deer meat he wants, but he's old. He's not going to tell the difference anyway after I get done cooking it, okay? I don't know if you can make lamb taste like deer, but she could, I guess. And so she gets to dad, and he's like, oh, this is going to be bad. What if he finds out? And he's like, well, he's not. Just watch this. So Jacob goes in. Isaac uh, doesn't really know for sure if it's him or not, but it's Jacob's voice, but it smells like Esau. It feels like Esau because he's a hairy man, and he convinces him. And Isaac, on that moment, filled the Holy Spirit, prophesies the Abrahamic blessing, and blesses Jacob to be the greater of the two. Struggle's over. He's going to win. He receives the blessing. Esau comes in. That same moment, Jacob is going out. It's like the double doors. They go in and go out. And he begins to just basically scream and shout and cry and weep and wail. And his father begins to tremble. And this is the story of these two brothers in this warring, of the birthright and the blessing. In that moment, Jacob, even though he was deceiving him, 
was struggling for something he desired. So my question is, what are you struggling for spiritually? Let me give you three quick things. Number one is there was a carnal craving. There was a carnal craving. This is Esau's part. Esau was a man, like I said, he got what he wanted by his own hands. He was on the go. He had an appetite for the now. And look, it says he wanted hunting and fishing. Philippians 3, it says his, their, the people like Esau, where their appetite was their God, and their mind is on earthly things. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says there's stories in Scripture that you are seeing this so you can understand what they craved, so you don't crave the same thing that they did and end up where they ended up. Esau is an example but it's an example of something else. It's not always big sins that we're always finding. We're like, oh, Pastor, I'm not, you know, I'm not running the roads like I used to. I'm not drinking and having sex with everybody, and I'm not doing, dealing drugs anymore. But it's not really always the big sins that lead us down a road of filling those cravings. Like I said, it's that drive-through window. It's the quick things. It's the small things. It's the $2 things that we satisfy our life with all the time, and I never really get hungry for the greater meal. I'm satisfied with a little bit of 30-minute TV, and I don't, I'll miss up that Bible time. I'll miss up that prayer time because I'm satisfied for something quick and easy. Here's what I like what John Piper said. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not a poison, but an apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but it's endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video. It's the prime time dribble of triviality that we drink every single night. For all the ill that Satan can do when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it's a piece of land, a yoke of oxen, and a wife. Luke 14. He says there are things, Jesus said there are things in the world that choke out the word of God. It's the cares and affairs of this world. It's not just Satan just always right there in your face with big temptations. It's the little daily stuff. It's the quick fixes. It's the small cravings that we're always satisfied. I never get truly hungry for the holy or the heavenly. And Esau was a man like that, always on the go, always filling his cravings, always living for the now, wanting to satisfy it here, now, quick and now. Just give me something now. I'll be good to go till the next day. But you'll never get truly hungry for the holy. You'll never get truly hungry for the heavenly unless you forsake the flesh and fight for faith. Forsake the flesh and fight for faith. Even Hebrews said, Esau was an immoral and godless man because even when he began to weep and cry, he sought for this with tears, but he still found no repentance in his heart. Meaning he wasn't even willing to change his ways. Man, I really wanted that birthright. I really wanted that blessing. But I'm not willing to change to get it. I can come to church. I can say I'm sorry. I can do all the motions. I can really be upset that I'm not living like I ought to do. But I'm not really willing to stop going through the cravings menu. I'm not really willing to go hungry for earthly things, empty of earthly things, so that God can fill me with heavenly things. I'm not really willing to struggle. It's easier not to struggle. How many know it's easier to eat wrong? Whew, I love sweet tea. I love fried food. I mean, it would be easy to just eat whatever you wanted. It's hard to eat healthy. It's hard to exercise. It's hard to diet. It's hard to. It's a struggle. And he's like, the same is true. Esau, he didn't want to struggle for spiritual things. You see, everything in this world is a reflection of God's beauty, and it was given for our benefit. 
But over and over and over and over again in the Bible, you see people worshiping the creation over the Creator. You see, anything you do can be a substitute for God. Everything in this world is from our movies, our internet strolling over and over and over. I don't even know I'm on this anymore. I'm just, an hour later, we're still struggling through this. Why am I looking at this? Who cares what cats can do at 3 o'clock in the morning? You know what I mean? Like, we're just strolling, just feeding all this stuff in our lives. From exercising can be a God, sports and hunting and shopping, gardening, traveling. Are we willing to crucify our cravings? Have I been struggling spiritually? I hope you are struggling spiritually. I want to be struggling spiritually. I want to have a fight going on on the inside of me, that I know that I'm alive, that there's something more that I'm struggling for. You see, if you're not struggling, you're probably giving in to those cravings. See, there's a spiritual struggle, and that's what Jacob represents. Number two, Jacob was a sinner, but he really desired what God promised and over the years, God would begin to form Jacob into Israel. See, God's not looking for you to be perfect, but He is looking for you to struggle. Jacob was interested in struggling. Look, and, and you can look in uh, Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. There's a moment as God is sanctifying Jacob. See, welcome to the broken. We're all in here. We're all struggling. But that struggle has got to continue through your life. For years, Jacob began to figure God out. He was struggling over the years. God would use this sinful man to do great and mighty things, change his name from Jacob, deceiver, to Israel, one who wrestles with God or prince of God. There was a moment when Jacob is about to meet Esau again, and that night he's there freaking out because he's not sure what Esau is finally going to do to him after all these years. His brother's about to whoop on him. And he begins to pray and intercede, and he finds himself wrestling with some dude in the middle of the night, probably thought it was Esau, actually. But this angel, or we think even Jesus, came down and began to wrestle with him. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And then Jesus had to whoop up on him, pop his hip out of socket, and never walk the same again. Don't mess with Jesus. But he said, I want to struggle. I want what you alone can do for me. And that's our cry. God, there should be a spiritual struggle. I know I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I'm fighting these carnal cravings every day. But God, I'm not going to give up on the struggle. Come on, somebody, say amen. I want to keep struggling. That means I'm alive. I'm fighting for faith. I'm not giving in to my earthly desires. I want to be struggling. I know it's, sometimes it's hard. You're going to fail certain days. Get back up and keep struggling again. Just keep struggling. Keep fighting. Keep contending. Keep wrestling. Even if sometimes you feel like you're wrestling with God. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He wants people to struggle with Him. He, look, at, look at this guy. I can take a guy like Jacob. Deceiver, conniving, man, his family's like Jerry Springer. I mean, it's like a reality TV show. He's got all these kids and wives and everything. It's just messed up. And God used him and named himself, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you imagine? Why does God want to be associated with people like Jacob? But God is looking for people to struggle with. He wants people to fight. Somebody's got some grit on the inside. I'm not taking this lying down, God. I'm going to keep on pressing for heavenly things. I'm going to keep on struggling. You see, you've got to fight for your faith. D.A. Carson was a... A Baptist theologian, I think, he said this. He said, people don't drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven given, effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness or prayer or obedience to Scripture or faith into light in the world. You don't just naturally become a good, spirit-filled, strong, vibrant Christian. 
It's not something that just happens. You don't just accidentally one day and say, whoa, I've got faith to move mountains. Man, you have to fight for that. You have to struggle for that. You have to pray through that. So am I struggling? Am I contending? Am I fighting to seek after God? Have I been on autopilot? Man, I pray you get your car out of neutral and start moving forward in Jesus. Even if it's an uphill climb, you know, even in your vehicle, even if it's in first drive, it might just still roll uphill. You need to be going somewhere. Even if you don't have your foot on the gas, keep it in gear. Keep moving forward. Keep fighting for something. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 12, he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It means it suffers violence, means it's forcefully pressing forward. The kingdom of God is forcefully pressing forward. And he says, and violent men or forceful men take it or seize it by forth, by for, uh, force. He's saying this kingdom of God is always advancing. And it's on one side, there's violent men always persecuting it. But on the other side, there's forceful people entering into it. It's not something that's just easy going. Kingdom of God is moving forward. But he says it's unrepentant or it's repentant sinners who are pushing past all the religious elite to get to Jesus. It was the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd to touch his garment. It was the blind Bartimaeus who rejected what other people were saying, if I could just yell out to him and he could hear me. It was people who pushed through all the status quo and said, I believe if I can just get closer to this guy, I can touch him, I can hear him. If he just hears my case, I believe he can do something with me. Even if I don't deserve it, even if I haven't earned it, I know that if I can just press in. It was Zacchaeus who climbed a tree just to see him. You know, are you hearing me this morning? morning. God is looking for forceful people. He's looking for struggling people, contending people, people who want to wrestle a little bit, get a little grit in there and say, God, I'm pressing into heaven. I'm pressing into the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen naturally. It won't happen with careless Christianity. It's those with persistent faith like the widow who kept bothering that wicked judge until he finally got fed up with her and said, fine, woman, I will just settle your case. She just kept on him. God, I mean, Lord, would you just hear my case? I'm, I'm not going to give up until I get you. And Jesus says, it's like that. Ask, seek, knock. It's going to be open to you. Have I been too neutral lately? Have there been things in my life that I'm just like, just going? I haven't really cared what I've been watching on TV. Haven't really been cared what's coming out of my mouth. Haven't really cared what's been in my thought pattern. I haven't really pressed in to learn new things in Scripture or go to a deeper place in worship. I haven't listened to any new worship songs just to find a deeper place with God. And You know, the Bible says sing a new song to the Lord because after a while you'll get bored with all that old stuff. I'm not saying anything about old songs. Sometimes old songs need to come back. I'm talking about me, my heart. I need to change it up a little bit to keep struggling to find out, man, has God, does God even want to take me to a deeper place? What have you been learning about God lately? What have you been finding, just saying in an aha moment, to read Scripture and say, man, God's good, or I've never seen that before. Have you been struggling spiritually? Have I been leaving lukewarmness? When's the last time I led anybody to the Lord? When's the last time I prayed for something impossible? When's the last time I heard God speak to me to tell somebody something? Have I been used lately in the gifts of the Spirit? What's been coming out of me? Jude 3 says it this way. It says, appealing to you that you would contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. Jude says, 
I pray that you would contend earnestly. That means fight struggling. I pray that you would contend, fight earnestly. I pray that everything that you've received in Christ, you would keep contending for, fighting for, to establish it in your heart. Leave lukewarmness behind. Make a daily choice to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. Make a daily choice to feed your spiritual man through prayer and Bible study and worship, serving and using your spiritual gifts, learning to abide in Jesus, and do what Jonathan Edwards made the statement of for his life, great revivalist uh, generations ago in the uh, Great Awakenings. He said it this way. He said, I will fight with all my might against the world against the flesh and against the devil to the very end of my life. I will adhere to the faith of the gospel, however hazardous and difficult the profession and the practice of it may be. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight my sin, the devil, society. I'm going to contend it. I'm going to do it to the end of my life with every breath I've got. I'm going to fight for faith. I'm going to keep this struggle alive on the inside of me. So are you struggling for him? And lastly is this, there's a carnal craving, there's a spiritual struggling, and then there's Christ's covering. Carnal craving, spiritual struggling, and Christ's covering. You see, Jacob didn't receive anything that he deserved, right? He didn't receive anything that he earned or deserved. He wasn't even supposed to, he's not even the first kid. He wasn't supposed to get this. But look what he did. He comes to his father and he applies a lamb to his life. Come on, somebody. He puts on a robe that's not his own. And when he comes to his father, his father is blind to who he really is and blesses him. See, when you come to God, you don't get anything that you deserve. There is a father up in heaven, and you have to go to the firstborn son. It wasn't Jacob, it was Esau. And we don't go to our own father, the father of heaven, through our own marriage. We go to the firstborn son. Who's that? That's Jesus. We take Jesus, who became the Lamb of God, and we apply the Lamb of God to our life. And he says he takes off his robe of righteousness and puts it onto you. And you come before the Father by the Lamb and with a robe of righteousness, and God is blind to all your sins. As far as the east is to the west, so far our transgressions have been removed from us. And he says, blessed are you. Come on in receive the joy of your master. You are the children of promise. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, you are now who I say you are. You have a birthright that was once Jesus Christ. You have every heavenly blessing that Jesus ever said. It says you were heirs of righteousness. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You don't have anything you deserve, but God gave it to you anyway through Jesus Christ. If you can come to Jesus and say, I'm going to go through you to the Father. The Father says, you are my son, Joe. You're, you're Jesus to him. You're, you're his son. You're his daughter because you came through Christ. That's good stuff. So when you look at this, you say, man, I'm struggling spiritually. It's okay. You're covered by Jesus. You don't have to worry about your salvation. You're going to work it out with fear and trembling. Sure, you're going to keep the struggle alive. But I know I'm accepted. God accepted Jacob even in the midst of the struggle. He was willing to work out all that stuff in his life and still accept him anyway, still bless him anyway, not because of Jacob, but what he applied to his life. 
He came by faith for something more. And listen to me. You're struggling. That's okay. Struggle. That's part of this. We want you to struggle. I hope you're all struggling spiritually. But you can come with confidence because you are not coming on your own struggle. You're coming on faith in Jesus. You're coming clothed in righteousness by the Lamb of God. If you're not struggling, then you should be. But don't doubt your salvation. Just say, God, I want, I want to win this fight on the inside of me. I want to feed that spiritual man, deny the carnal craving of that fleshly man, and say, God, I'm wrestling it out. Lord, even if you have to break my hip, God, whatever you got to do, I want to walk in the blessing that you're freely giving me. See, that blessing is just given through the work of Jesus. But you can receive it through the struggle. Amen? Is there an area of my life that I've been careless with that I need to crucify the carnal? And have I been lazy in the fight? I really felt like today it wasn't so much about specifics. I just want you to be fighting. And if there's something that you could say, Pastor, I really haven't been struggling. I've been struggling because I know I need to be fighting. But I, I want you to be fighting for faith. Saying, God, I want to keep this fight alive on the inside of me. And I know that uh, Paul says in Romans, he says, but you are more than conqueror in Christ Jesus. And you're going to win. Amen. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? What have you been fighting for spiritually? What are you contending for earnestly? Maybe today you've been doubting your faith and doubting your spiritual walk, doubting your Christianity because you have been struggling. That's just part of the journey. That's part of this journey of God sanctifying you so long as you apply Jesus Christ to your life by faith. You receive the heir of righteousness. You are children of the promise, Romans 8, 6. You are children of the promise if you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. God has already begun to bless you with all the riches of heaven. He is accepting you if you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, God has already chosen to bless you. He's already chosen to accept you. He's already chosen to receive you. Just keep struggling. Just keep contending. Just keep building that faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep that fight alive on the inside of you. Crucify the carnal. I'm not going through the quick and easy drive through for something that doesn't satisfy for eternity. I want something holy. I want something heavenly to be satisfying my life. So where are you at today, sir or ma'am? What would Jesus look at your life today and what would he say? What would he want to speak to you right here, right now? Every single person in this room, what is Jesus saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Maybe he's saying, you need to get right with me. You need to surrender your life to me. You need to apply me to your life and come and live within me. And give up living for yourself. Don't You've been like Esau, living for earthly things, earthly appetites. You haven't come to me in faith and surrendered to my lordship.